This is the Guided Podcast, an interview with the fly fishing industry's top guides and brand ambassadors. On this podcast, we cover topics such as the guiding lifestyle, conservation, different fisheries globally, and gear and technology to improve your game. I'm your show host, Greg Keenan. Before we begin today's show, let's thank our sponsors. Scientific Anglers is the leader in producing the world's best fly lines for over 75 years. Scientific Anglers have set new industry standards with their SA Amplitude family of fly lines, both in technology and performance. See the difference for yourself today at scientificanglers.com. Show your show support and follow us on Instagram at Fly Fishing Insider Podcast. Now let's begin. Welcome to Guided. Today, our guest is Lannon Mayer. Lannon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it and uh, looking forward to chatting with you here. Yeah, this is uh, this is an, quite an honor again. Yeah, you're one of the, the few that have been back in, in less than a year, so that's awesome. But that's, that speaks good. Thanks that's, for having me. That speaks good things. Lannon, you know what? For those that don't know, tell us a bit about yourself. I know you're uh, a well-known within the industry and a well-known angler, so tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, just I, I reside with my wife Michelle and our kiddos in Florida, Colorado, and guide full time. Enjoy teaching at shows, seminars, giving back with articles and books and uh, videos as well, instructional videos. Those are all found on the website landandmareflyfishing.com. And just thankful every day to have an opportunity to talk fishing, live fishing, and and help give back to anglers. Well, you're definitely doing that. Well, I know you're a guide in Colorado, and I want to touch base and talk about what type of guiding you do the types of waters that you guide in and your guiding area. So uh, with that said, let us know. You bet. You bet. Yeah. So a lot of the, the guiding that we do is the upper region of the South Platte River, which my favorite location is referred to as South Park. It's 190 miles in circumference. Within 190 miles, we have the tailwater, the Dream Stream, three still waters, Antero, Spinney, 11-mile reservoir, the headwaters of the South Platte, the middle and the south fork and with those three still waters and over 27 miles of public land to fish it's incredible just how much diversity there is but also the opportunity to grow and, and learn more as an angler we also do deckers we have permits on the blue we just acquired some great uh, permits and opportunities at santa maria ranch this year which is the middle fork of the south flat so we love it it's just a giant playground and again a chance to kind of move around and see the different sites that's awesome man so so when you're when you're there, you're primarily what's your primary target out of species? Like because it's so diverse, like that that whole area. Obviously, trout's primary, but what uh what type of species of trout? Yeah, you bet. So we have a very cool strain of wild browns in Spinney and also Eleven Mile Reservoir. Those are truly the gems of the South Platte. Some of these fish are genetically strong and haven't been stocked in areas dating back to the early seventies. We also have rainbows cut bows, snake river cutthroats. And just to mix it up, we also have pipe, we have carp, and some great opportunities to find those fish on the edge of some of the still waters. But we, we just love the diversity, again, in the fisheries and also the species alike, where you can literally in one day, you could be on the river, be in a tailwater, 
You could be on the still water in the afternoon and you could literally end your day at one of the headwaters or the forks of the headwaters. So hitting three different locations, three different disciplines and three different unique ways to fish it for, for multiple species really does just help you advance as an angler. It's pretty cool. You know, and in, I'm looking at this going, you have such a big area that you're, you're kind of like fishing and whatnot. There must be some conservation issues attached to that area. Is there anything that we can touch base on today that is effective or something that you would like to talk about that, you know, anglers should be aware of that are regarding your, your fishing area? Absolutely. It, it starts with, I think an important thing is, is cleanups. And we, we have some awesome cleanups on the South Platte. The one that I personally work with Brandon Kramer on and, and the 11 mile state parks is called clean the dream. And we're going to do that again this year in August. Everybody gets together, collects trash. We have a barbecue. You can win prizes. It's just a great gathering, a way to really protect and give back to the resource. And I personally think the most important topic to cover is really protecting a lot of our spawning trout within South park. And I would say most importantly, are wild brown trout, knowing that they genetically and naturally reproduce, that we have fish that can exceed 30 inches. In addition to awareness signs that we're trying to get the state to allow us to put up or we make it aware to anglers by red sign that, hey, this is a known spawning area or there's actively spawning trout, please leave the fish behind the sign alone. I think the biggest impact, which would really help all the fisheries out, is just to boycott or shut the river down for the nighttime situations. Not all year, but if you did that in October, just one month alone, no night fishing, all those large dominant female and male brown trout could naturally reproduce with kokanee salmon, have a wealth of natural reproduction, wild trout in the future, and leaving the fish stress-free in the evening also produces more results for those fish to be active and feeding during the daytime hours. So that's really what we're striving and pushing for. We're really trying to encourage anglers to, you know, in the fall bite, leave the fish alone, let them naturally reproduce. Do the nighttime fishing during the summer when temperatures are warm at night and those fish are known to look up for, for hoppers and mice and, you know, floating streamer scenarios. All that can really work, but I think that fall is really important to, to leave them be and, and let the nocturnal predators do what they do. Yeah, I agree with that. Would you say there's anything else that anglers can do? I mean, I guess if you, you know, if you hook into one, obviously not stress it out, all that sort of stuff. Um, but is there anything else that we sure, can think of? Sure, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Just, you know, avoiding shallow gravel, two to three inch cobblestone in areas where we know trout spawn. Mm-hmm. That's very important. If you're above or below those zones, if the trout are spooked and they move to the lowest section of that shallow gravel bar and they hold in a deep run, still also leave those fish alone. And, you know, things I like to teach my clients, look for deep water where you know trout aren't spawning. Try to target opposite species of the species that's spawning at that time. Like during the fall, great opportunities for rainbows, cutthroats, and cutbows. And then return during the spring, great opportunities for large browns and some of the other species that move in. And really, if you do find a fish that you've hooked, and let's say it's a female, for example, if you pick it up and she's dropping eggs, just return her to the water immediately try to prevent holding the fish up for photographs. And one thing I've been doing lately as well is wearing nitrile gloves, which help during the cold, help to keep sun off your hands. But the real advantage is it doesn't take that mucous membrane off the trout's body. So it really is helpful and healthy for the fish and ensures a proper release. I totally agree with that. And, you know, like being up here in Canada, um, we have a still water season that's pretty good. And, and, you know, we have that 
we have quite a few females that are that are spawning and whatnot, and that's that works for us as well. As soon as you get a, a spawner, you bring her in, just let her go. You know what I mean? It, it just uh, I think it works, it works the same. I mean, I know uh, we've all at one point brought one in and some eggs are in your boat and stuff just immediately like just put the fish back there's just no point at that point in, in keeping it. i agree with that so exactly you mentioned something in there yep. about, about yep. 30 inch fish and i'm sure a few uh listeners yeah we have some... that up. so can you give us some tips on, yeah. on how you're catching 30 inch fish landing yeah well one of the biggest things i've found lately you know is targeting timings everything in fly fishing right and we learned that as we spend time on the water, pay our dues, and from what we learn with, with other anglers and our teachings over the years. But knowing that timing is everything, I really do focus on pre- and post-spawn. And lately, it's been the post-spawn bite that's the most effective, where the fish are done spawning or the fish are looking and migrating for food. It you know could be the shoulder season where it's not even spring or fall. You're targeting summer. You're targeting winter. And a lot of these large trout are, are targeting their food supply. And while large trout are lazy by nature, I think it's important for people to realize they're also opportunistic. So if the good example of that is if the crayfish are molting or migrating, concentrate on using that as a food supply, concentrate on that season in late summer, early fall, knowing a lot of the trout will focus on that. Ice off is a great time for still waters where fish are moving to the edge. They don't have to be spawning. We're looking for temperatures, anything over 50 degrees. And that's when a lot of the fish are cruising the edges and actually feeding and looking for the next meal. And then targeting when the season's over, when fish are done spawning, a lot of those fish are depleted of size and nutrients. Then you can really target those fish and know they're hungry. And to be honest, that can be some of your best shots at larger trout. And I, I always find it as remarkable as it is, it's incredible how large trout heal up you know if they're spawning they're scraped up they have bruises bite marks they're battling other fish a month after their spawning season's over a lot of these fish start to put weight back on they start to heal up they look beautiful again awesome markings and that way you know you're leaving the health with the fish as well yeah I, like I, th- I know we were talking before and uh like you said the, the fish they they cruise those shallows and whatnot so talk about the shallows and the underutilization of the shallows and what what equipment or what lines what lines and what your setup is to effectively fish the shallows and put those clients of yours on those big fish um, during that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And for stillwaters, it's intimidating to begin with. For those who haven't touched on that or really tried to adventure that way, you look at a giant piece of water and you think, man, where do I start? What do I look for? And the shallow water really does supply so many opportunities for food. The biggest thing you have to overcome in shallow water is when to be there. So you're going to time the hatch like damsels when they swim into the shallows, crayfish when they move, water boatmen, all these food supplies found in water that's two feet or less. The biggest problem that you'll find in those shallow zones is how do I deliver a fly and how do I not snag bottom? How do I keep the fly moving horizontal like the natural and keep it mid-column? And I think the secret weapon for that is the camo stillwater line from scientific anglers. And the nice thing about the camo line is that it's sinking one to two inches per second. It's camouflage and coloration through its design. And you know you're not going to be snagging bottom and while slowly retrieving to match the movement of a damsel, a water boatman, a scud or a midge, just as an example of food supplies, you can cast 40 feet in two feet of water where you see the fish breaking and moving and again, make it appear as a natural with slow movement and know you're not going to snag bottom. And I really do think that works well. 
another line I like to use too, let's say you're fishing the drop line where it goes from two feet and it drops down to six feet or even further, you can use the sonar clear tip line, which is a clear intermediate sinking tip, allowing that portion of the line to start to descend down to the bottom. And again, using stealth where the trout don't detect the fly line, but most importantly, just navigating and managing your depth control is it, it makes all the difference in the world. And it's incredible just how close and similar this is to sight fishing in saltwater when you're dealing with some of these freshwater lakes or reservoirs. Absolutely. So then for your sonar, let's talk about the sonar setup. Like what type of leaders are you going to add to that? Like, let's just walk it through from fly to, uh, to like your, your, your rod essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great question. So I keep the leaders relatively short. I'll start at three feet, sometimes even cutting back further to two feet or one and a half feet. And I'm a fan, if I'm using larger flies, I'll use two pieces of tippet and connect it in the middle with the swivel. That way, if I needed to in the front end or the front piece of tippet that connects to the fly, mm -hmm. if I need to go smaller in diameter of size, I can always make that adjustment. And then the biggest thing that I'm doing with that, that sonar camel line is that I'm making sure when it's moving in shallow water, I'm connecting those flies using a loop knot. I think the loop knots are important because the key when retrieving flies is not always the strip or the retrieve. One of the keys is the pause. Every time you pause with the loop knot, then that really does make that fly or imitation move awkwardly where it's not horizontal. It could endo dip or it could lift up or twist to the side. And that's an indication to the trout that it's injured and it's time to feed. Do you, Landon, do you fish like, um, and I'm going to quick, quickly, we're going to get back to like what your, your rod and all that is like what weights you're using, but do you fish chronomids ever? Sure. Do like we do. Yeah. Chronomids we have. Absolutely. Yep. Indicator fishing. We do that. And a lot of times we'll do that in the spring or yeah. early morning hours. A, a good example for me with a chronomid bite is during ice off below indicators, I'll attach my Titan tube midge, which is a chronomid with Umpqua feather merchants. And then I'll also below that, I'll drop my mini leech jig in the regular radiant series. And that chronomid that's six inches or less off of a tag. And then 18 inches below that, I have the mini leech jig when that's hanging below the indicator and we wait for that big fish chop every time there's ripples in the water, both of those flies are moving. And yeah. most importantly, that anchor fly being the jig is lifting up and down. Absolutely. Super cool. And again, you know what? The loop knot, um, super effective. I know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, it's so effective. I was, was going to so say, effective. when I, when I, as a big chronomid fisher, I mean, as soon as I went to that, my, my catch rate went up drastically when, uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? You add that loop knot to it. Oh, so yeah. For those listeners out there, we're yep. in the loop knot for sure. So, um, yeah, so, well, some, somebody, somebody yeah. asked that the other day in, in one of my tying classes, and they, they asked the question, well, why is the loop not effective? I personally think it's, like you were saying, when you attach your fly to that, being a chronomid, I think it's because the fly is no longer connected directly to the knot. So instead of it lifting and dropping by way of how the, the monofilament or fluorocarbon is moving, it's literally twisting up and down and moving freely. And I think that freedom of motion is what triggers those fish. Absolutely. It's, it's more natural, right? It, I mean, it's natural. Exactly. It has movement. Yep. Just even the, the water waves, it's like the current itself that we, we you know, can't see for sure. So totally agree with that. So You bet. Um, you bet. What do you, so what do you, you are five weight, six weight? Yeah, I use the uh, Super 10s with Winston. I use three, four, and five weights with yep. essentially – 
essentially the the 10 foot is adding more weight size or more power with the rod so basically your three weights of five a four is a six a five is a seven and with that 10 foot adding a little bit more length you get more height when you fight trout you get more power when you're moving it side to side you get more line control and then you can go from conventional casting to even single hand space style where you can cut through the wind so those are my my go-to match with the Bauer RX reels. And I think with, with the seal ball bearing disc drag and a lot of the power you get from that, where you can see them down match with the supple tip and the midsection power from the boron blend with Winston, man, there it's a home run connection with the, uh, the sonar line. You know, I just learned something from you there. So uh, I, I definitely appreciate that little tidbit. So what other tips do you have for us? You bet, bud. What other tips? Yeah. I think the other thing too is, yeah, for the still water, the one thing I've, I've learned is that when you approach it, you know, the key is, I think, all the time when you're looking at water, try to find something to identify that's the location that holds trout. So my tip with that is look for structure, look for intercepting points, and look for drop-offs. If you have those three or one of those three, those can all be areas where trout find cover, they find refuge, solitude, but they can also feed, and that, that I think can really help you on the still water bite moving from the river scenario as well for sure now uh you're also a fan of the uh the amplitude mpx and why is that absolutely absolutely i think the amplitude line's amazing not only with the slickness but mpx and textured series you get floatability it moves through the guides with less resistance the longer taper the long thick taper you can carry line effectively and then also a lot of people don't realize with the amplitude, if you scrape and clean with the pad, every single layer is new slickness. You don't have to apply new moisture, new silicone slickness to it. It's actually inside of the goop. So you scrape to clean and you're ready to rock with essentially a brand new line. It's, it's incredible. And for dry flies, when you're dealing with the shallow water, you'll have subsurface. There's also moments where you have the top water bite where you can do the dry dropper You'll need to make the cast. You'll need to be able to float in the wind and allow your flies to drift into the shallow water settings. And that's my favorite line for that by far. You know what? I learned something else here. So if you scrape and clean, do you think that would that would probably apply to like the saltwater lines as well, wouldn't it? I believe so, yeah. And it, that technology is just very helpful because one of the biggest problems that we have with full-time guides or anglers on the water all the time is maintenance, you know, cleaning yeah. your lines, making sure they're fresh. And if you know that you can literally get in the boat, scrape the line. You don't even have to do it the night before. And then you're rocking that day with a fresh line that's smooth, that's going through the guys with ease, landing on the water, gives you floatability, get all, get rid of all that grime and dirt. And you should know the more you float that line, the better performance you get, the more fish you'll catch. And that's that ATS technology as well. So absolutely. Landon, let's uh, really quickly before I let you go, um, let us know what else you got going on. You bet. Yeah. So we have, I have the new video that came out, Master the Short Game, which is available through Vimeo online. So it's mastertheshortgame.com. Check it out if you haven't seen it. It's 60 minutes. It's awesome. Drives nymphs and streamers. It's like a full-day guide trip within a video. We shot in Argentina, Tennessee, Colorado, and Pennsylvania. In addition to that, I'm just traveling to the shows. I have the upcoming show this weekend, Pleasanton, California, the fly fishing show. I'll be in Evergreen. Colorado this evening for a Trout Unlimited event, and then I have Fort Worth and Dallas, Texas, and then also the Fly Fishing uh, Brew Fest, which is in Plano, Texas, which is coming up in March as well. So check out the shows. 
some great information and articles coming out. The new book, Fight Fishing for Trout, second edition, and the hunt for giant trout. And, and just loving being on the water and talking fishing with great people like yourself, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course, Ryan. And I'm going to make sure I put all that in the show notes. But uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you regarding guiding or any other things, where would they find you? You bet. Right at the website, landonmayorflyfishing.com. It's got a contact page in the menu bar questions, guided trips, any information. There's a lot of great informative things there. This podcast, when it goes live, will be on that website as well under events and podcast page. Awesome, buddy. Appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy and I know you're about to travel, so we are going to let you go. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of Guided. Thank you, listeners. Hey, man. You bet. I appreciate everybody. I appreciate you. Keep up the good work and check out all the episodes, man. You're crushing it with the podcast. I really appreciate you having me on. Awesome, Lennon. Thanks, buddy. You've been listening to the Guided Podcast, sponsored by Scientific Anglers. If you like this podcast episode, please let us know and leave a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. And remember, subscribe to the Fly Fishing Insider Podcast to get even more episodes of both Guided and the Fly Fishing Insider each week. See more at flyfishinginsiderpodcast.com.